Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Pip Cartwheel, and I am the writer-director of Buckaroo Banzai and The Adventures Across the Eighth Dimension. Uh, I think that's what I called uh, my movie. Anyway, you're about to hear a podcast episode about it, uh, Bad Science. I'm a big fan of this podcast, so I'm glad they're talking about my movie, even though I barely remember it. Uh, a lot of people... Uh, have been saying that uh, I wrote the movie on PCP, uh, which is, <laughs> which I understand if you see the movie and you think that, but that is not true. Uh, at the time, I was on meth. I was on crystal meth, and I wrote the movie in a crazy scramble uh, as I was trying to escape police uh, on my way to Mexico, which I did, by the way. I did get to Mexico after writing the movie, and uh, I lived there for several years. Uh, anyway, my point is, I hope you enjoy the movie. I hope you enjoy the podcast, and uh, everything that I wrote does make sense, and I wrote it on purpose, uh, and I hope that you buy my book, uh, Pip Cartwheels Tips for How to Write a Movie on Your Way to Mexico While Evading Police. Uh, enjoy the podcast. Thank you so much. Bad science. Did the movie get it right? Bad science. Or will we have to fight? Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bad Science. Today, for some godforsaken reason, we're talking about the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. I'm Ethan Edinburgh, and we have two guests that have been on the podcast before. First, he's a very good friend of mine. He's the co-host of the Success Express podcast and half of the band Cape Weather. It's Eric Jackowitz. Hey! How's it going, Eric? It's going great. I'm also in a band with you called The Cooties. Oh my god, you're right. I totally forgot about The Cooties, our golden goose. Would you say that? I would say our golden goose, and if that goose laid a egg, it would be a golden egg. It would be a GD golden egg. It's good to see you, Eric. We've known each other for so long, and you smell great today. Thank you. You too. We went to college together. That's correct. And with us is uh, somebody who is on the podcast to talk about the movie that you're wearing the hat of. Uh, Back to the Future was our second episode ever. He's an astronomer and an astrophysicist at Caltech IPAC. It's Dr. Robert Hurt. Good to see you, Ethan. Good to be back. And in the interest of full disclosure, am I at risk of contracting the cooties from the two of you? Yes, you are. Yes. Absolutely. You probably already have them. I'm going to uh, be honest with you. You might right. be singing funny songs by the time we leave here. Ooh, that no, that would make nobody happy. No, no, no. Go ahead. Robert. No, I'm not going to put you on the spot. I'm not going to put you on the spot. No, thank you for joining us, Robert. It's been a while since I've seen you. And I don't want to threaten you. I don't want to say that we're going to get into some drama here today. But drama. I do know from speaking to you before the pod that you are a fan of this. I don't even know if I should call it a movie. But you are a fan of whatever the crap this was that I just saw. I know for a fact that Eric also just saw it for the first time. Yes. And my main question is, what? (laughs) What is this thing, man? I couldn't tell if it was like just a comedy, if they were trying to wink at the audience, kind of elbow nudge all the time. It was so confusing. He's a brain surgeon. I'm going to try and describe this for the audience. He's You see him at the beginning, and we're talking about Buckaroo Banzai. That's his name. He's a brain surgeon at the beginning, but he also is in a rock band, and he's some sort of physicist or like super inventor. Super doctor. Yeah, and but he fights like aliens too. He has a gun. What's going on here, Robert? Uh, all right. Uh, uh, the Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension, I believe, is is as close as you get to the platonic form of the cult classic movie. Everything you said about it is absolutely what it is. It is supposed to be funny. It is supposed to be serious. It is winking at you all the way through. It is so deeply embedded with references and jokes and inside little tweaks, right? It, it was it was it was a movie of its time. 
Wow. And I was I was of that time. I was in I was in uh, college yeah. with, you know, majoring in physics with my geek friends and this this movie came out. We all walked in. We all walked out like, "Oh my god, that was amazing." Wow. It it actually uh, it, it that movie like two months after it came out, it immediately hit like the midnight movie circuit. And I, mm. I, I swear to God, we went to watch that movie at midnight on Friday night, probably every two or three months oh for like, wow. you know, a couple of, it, it was, it Wild. was, it was a call. And every time we watched it, it's like, we, we, we saw more and we caught more of the little inside winks. I mean, there's definitely a ton of what I would call like viral moments or like memes that I could see taken from the movie. Like Jeff Goldblum's in it. John Lithgow's in it. Christopher Lloyd's in it. Like all these people. And they're really young. That guy, Mike from Breaking Bad is in mm-hmm. it. Yep. Super young. Hey, which hey, I this loved. Was, this was that young Jeff Goldblum before he started picking up all those preachy, annoying, <laughs> aggravating roles. This was this was the peak of me loving Jeff Goldblum. Wow. So somewhere after Earth Girls Are Easy and pre-Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. well, no, it was pre-Earth Goldblum. Girls. Oh, it was pre-Earth Girls. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was way later than this movie. Mm. Wow. Was it, where, where's the fly in this? Uh, after after also and where is back to the future in this that is a great question robert because okay okay makes a ton of sense i don't know about that though because this says that it came out in 84 back to future came out in 85 that's insane Mm. i mean i can't i don't want to say that they took stuff from buckaroo bonsai because anybody that took anything from buckaroo bonsai is alarming to me (laughs) right i gotta say it's a really weird film be alarmed that movie that movie is deeply integrated into my personality so you are both at serious (laughs) risk right now no i totally get remember no matter where you go there you are (laughs) yes i have i have said that for years wasn't that like ramdas (laughs) <laughs> they took it from somewhere else? Yeah. No, Ramdas came from Buckaroo Banzai, right. Eric. No, it was either Ramdas or like that's a uh, a meditation book, a famous meditation book called Wherever You Go, There You Are. Or maybe it was taken from Buckaroo Banzai. Maybe. There's a lot of really great quotes in this. I didn't write them down, but there was a lot of really silly lines yes. that, again, I was just trying to figure out. I mean, whatever. Clearly, a lot of it was supposed to be funny, but also... Sometimes they're just trying to explain, you know, exposition, like what's going on. And I was so lost, didn't know what was happening. Okay, you're going to hate me for saying this, but if you go back and rewatch that movie, which I know you will never do. No. You will find this this is actually one of the most tightly plotted films of that era. It actually, it's all there, man. It all makes sense. The science of it makes sense. the dot. I, uh, not the science, just okay. the, the, the mm, plot arc. The right? plot, got it, it. Like no movie okay, let me that ask has you happened, this. No, like no genre movie in the last five years, I think, except for maybe some of the Marvel movies, has actually like had as tight a plot as this has had. Now, now again, within its own rules, within the, it, it, okay. it, it writes its own rules, and then it, it plays that game. But it actually makes sense from end to end, which is not something I see on TV much anymore. Look, I don't want to argue with you because <laughs> you're clearly much smarter than me, but I was dumbfounded by this movie. I couldn't believe that it was real. He <laughs> (laughs) He does this experiment. The movie starts off. He's testing a jet car, I think they call Mm -hmm. it. And he's going to drive it. Well, first, I think they were just 
testing speed yes that yes. was what everyone thought he was doing sure except for the uh, uh the, the inner circle the inner circle who have their own name cadillac something what is it called his band yes the hong, the hong kong cavaliers the yes. hong because kong why not? cavaliers yes yes uh, there's the huey lewis in the news they're there's, all there's, they're, you know, they're the core of the buckaroo bonsai research institute and which, rhythm section correct and rhythm section <laughs> yeah. right, yes but, you know they have divisions for engineering and physics yes. and chemistry and, and also all of them have guns yep. oh yeah everyone in this movie has a gun it's <laughs> alarming well it is an american movie so what true do you expect? wait uh did it did it take place in 1984 yeah it was okay, it was like contemporaneous it. at that time got it so and i think in new jersey though i definitely recognized the la scenes when i moved to la <laughs> yes i talk about new jersey a lot also which was confusing i didn't understand that uh, anyways they're testing out this car to see how fast it'll go he makes this sudden left turn to head for a mountain because of course because, of course, anyone can drive fast, but only Buckaroo Banzai can drive through a mountain. Right. And see weird, like, skeletons inside of that mountain. Yeah. Not skeletons. Aliens. Electroids. Electroids. Yeah, the aliens are called Electroids. Yeah. There's red Electroids, which are bad, and then there's black Electroids, which are good. Right. So far, so good. So yeah, far, you got so it. good. Yes. So he heads to this mountain. I guess there's all this, like, weird quantum science equipment on the car that nobody knew about except the Hong Kong Cavaliers. The, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the oscillation over thruster. The oscillation which, which over thruster. Which sounds a lot like a flux capacitor. Uh, which predated the right. flux capacitor. Which one makes more sense? <laughs> Time travel wise, I pass. Or end space. <laughs> okay, neither, I guess. However, uh, I will say that uh, Bucker Bonsai was such a cult classic, not only amongst you know me and my friends, but you know the whole Hollywood like sci-fi effects and and, and prop community uh -huh. that um, that oscillation over thruster started appearing in almost every genre like sci-fi movie the actual like thing that it, either it or replications of it because everybody just thought that movie was so awesome that had they they, they, <laughs> threw, they were throwing the, in their I homages names. yeah give me the I, names I, I, sorry i can't I, it's been too long since i i saw the list of it but but you know if you get anybody <laughs> also, what's in, special about the overthruster it just looked like a rock or something yeah it had buttons that made cool little beepy noises i mean and, the noise and, was cool and, i guess and it enabled buckaroo to use it to basically slide instead of slamming into the mountain right. he slid through it into the eighth dimension allowing him to basically become a dimensional explorer right and i have a lot of questions about this so it's not time travel no it's dimension travel dimension travel yes okay but then there's a press conference and i do want to add in here plot wise that he before the press conference goes to play a rock concert which right. is insane and then <laughs> At the at the beginning, the, during the first song, he stops the band and he says, "Like, hold on a second. Who's sad? Somebody sad in here?" <laughs> now, this is an awesome scene because you, that, that, that is done in a wide shot. That that scene is done in a wide shot, uh -huh. and he's like, "Is someone crying?" And like, and you look, and you're like, "What the hell?" No one's crying. But then, as you stare, you 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 see Penny Pretty sitting there, and yeah, she's like, "Penny like, Pretty," and then she's like me and it, that is a brilliant shot. It was it's done as a like you I'll have leave to leave that on the table, <laughs> and then. She it won't work a, on your phone. She puts a gun to her head. She's about to kill herself, in Robert. A rock con in a rock club. He plays. First of all, he plays her a song to cheer her up. He plays her like a little <laughs> ballad. He decides like, you know what? I just got this whole place amped up. Let's take a break. 
I'm going to go to the piano, play a ballad to cheer her up. Which is the most depressing song So ever depressing. Written. Yeah, it makes her want to kill herself. She takes out a gun. Because everyone has a gun. Because everyone has a gun in this movie. She puts a pistol to her face, gets distracted, or somebody... Someone bumps, a waiter bumps someone, into her accidentally. Yeah. At the burping time. Yeah. She fires the pistol up into the roof. And then he decides at this moment, which we learn later somehow, that she's like a twin of a girl he used to date. And based on that, he Married. wants to free her from prison. She's the twin of his, his wife, who has... His ex-wife. Disappeared mysteriously. We don't know of where course. she is. And we never found out. We never found out, because there was never a sequel. Well... Which Not they, entirely true. Which they alluded to at the end of this movie. Where yes. Like, Stay tuned to this for the sequel. Yeah, and everyone else went, All right. no. Uh, do, do, do you want the spoiler? No, do you want the spoiler now? There actually was a spiritual sequel to oh. Buckaroo Bonsai. Okay. Back to the Future? No. No. Uh, it was Big Trouble in Little China, another film near and dear to my heart. Wow. Because Buckaroo Bonsai versus the World Crime League those ideas got recycled because it's also written by W.D. Richter, who's the, the, oh, the writer-director of Buckaroo Bonsai. It seemed pretty desperate at the and end because to they, say. He couldn't, he couldn't do the new Buckaroo movie, but yeah. he took those themes. And so there were, like, there were two women sense. who were being called and one was being held captive. And right. that would have actually fed into what had happened to his wife. And, uh, oh. and so, yeah. Yeah. So if you're going to make a movie, guys, out there, don't give me information in the second movie. <laughs> Tell me what's right. going on all in one film. You know what I mean? Well, they were hoping, hoping to play it into a franchise. Yeah, you know, so. too much hope. And uh, <laughs> I can see why that didn't pan out. This movie was so confusing for me. And I really tried, Robert. I want to tell you, like, I wanted to be into it so bad because I liked how it looked. Yeah, like, very I was, shiny. Yeah, I was excited to watch it. And I loved how, like, the way that they dress. Jeff Goldblum in a cowboy yeah. outfit. Oh, hilarious. Yeah. On so, paper. So nice. So 80s. So 80s. Yeah. So 80s. Like, the shoulder pads and the, yeah, the hair gel. The hair gel. Yeah. You Dug know. it. On paper, this should be a fantastic film. Like Steely Dan. Right. On paper... That band should be the greatest band of all time. Yes. Everyone in that band is so undeniably talented. And then when they come together, they make Peg. <laughs> hey, you know, know Peg is came, good. I like Peg too, but not really. <laughs> you, you, you two, you two are just one good Clockwork Orange weekend from just adoring it. Just <laughs> all right. let me, let me, let me like like put the toothpicks in your eyelids, and then you're gonna get force fed it, and all of a sudden you're gonna see the brilliance on like the. Fourth I would or love to because that so. sounds great. I love all the, a lot of elements of this movie. Yes, but. It was like if, like, you know those AIs that make Twitter profiles? Like a mm. bot. Like a bot. This is like if an AI computer only saw Back to the Future, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, Star Wars. Star Wars. Because it opens up exactly like Star Wars. Or is that a, a cheeky nod to Star Wars? I can't speak to that that, that particular scene. But, yeah, th a big this movie. Yellow this scrolling movie, title sequence. This yeah. movie was a, a, a loving nod to geek culture in yeah. the era in which geek culture was the minority culture right right, right. and so back I, when you, nerds were you, nerds you, you can't even remember back then, you know when when we were reviled for being nerds yeah so a movie that came out and and introduced such an over-the-top character like buckaroo who was a total <laughs> geek in all ways but, but was very also handsome and badass yeah but, but cool and appreciated by the world for being cool and 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 this movie 
like absolutely stood out as a completely different thing than we'd ever seen. And that so for those of us who were like, you know, closeted nerds or and, 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 and tormented nerds, right, this movie gave us every th- bit of validation. It's like, yeah, a world where the nerd is the hero. He, he has a hotline to the president. <laughs> totally. Like even the president wants to talk to Buckaroo, right? I, do, I did like this, that line in the movie when he was like, hey, the president's on the phone. He goes, the president of what? He was like, the yeah. president of the United States. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, okay, that's there fun. were funny parts. It yeah. was, it was if I was a nerd in the 80s, I would have much rather gone to Buckaroo Bonsai than like Howard the Duck. Oh, hell yeah. Sure. I, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned the Star Wars scroll because that mm-hmm. let me know right off the top this movie was going to be bonkers. <laughs> and yeah. I, I think that was the intended takeaway at that moment. It's like, okay, guys, get ready. We're going to throw a lot, but a crazy backstory at you already so you know this yeah. is just going to go I wish, honestly, I had it in front of me so I could read it because just <laughs> reading that backstory right at the top was like, what in the hell is yeah, going on There's right a lot here? of mention of the band. Yeah, he talks about that, that he's in a band, that his dad is Japanese, and that his mom's not, and that you're right. like, what? what? What's happening? And yeah. Like, what did I miss? Is I felt like there was a very famous comic book series or something before all of this, and I was just jumping into like the middle, you know? And that is world building. That's that is what I right. think is so delightful about this film because you know, WD, I think it was Richter, who's the the writer, right? He managed to go in and create a world that felt that it was so much deeper and had expanse beyond the bounds of the movie. Right. And this is not something that people do very much anymore. Right. Everyone writes these really small stories that the world is just, there's nothing like world builder creative or expansive beyond the bounds, right? Yeah, it's just yeah. like, yeah, yeah, okay, it's just this and we're going to sell a little st- and it's done. But the fact that you could go in and think, oh my God, what, what was this based on? That is because... Right, I think there was just an incredible amount of texture and backstory yeah. that was implied, and it wasn't all there. And you know, if it had if it had been more successful, it would have been the first of potentially a series of movies, and that would have really become like another one of the the, the early uh, original franchises. That let me ask you this: up. It didn't bother you when they were looking at that 3D hologram thing, and they put that packing material stuff on their face not in the slightest i okay. loved it actually so here's okay here's, I, at that point i was like okay they're making fun of me here, here's here's a here's a little sciencey thing i want to say more of a science culture thing great one thing that i absolutely loved about this movie and in fact it resonated with all my friends because you know ha- half my friends were like physics majors at the time so you go through the most movies back then and today and you go into a, like a science lab it's all this beautiful shiny custom spotless consoles custom built explicitly for some weird esoteric process looks like, like an apple store yeah yeah no science lab on the freaking planet looks like that oh. mm. they are all places that look worse than the studio that we're currently whoa, whoa, whoa. in hey <laughs> robert oh, yeah thank you Sorry, you, yeah, thank yeah. you that, i'm glad you said that i i, I, you I invite you into my studio shit. <laughs> the, 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 the truth has dog to come out shit. man it's, no you're right uh, we gotta be open here no no upload a picture of this dumpster yeah research is done on the cutting edge of like hacking together cables between things that weren't necessarily built to do what you're trying to do and you're trying to just so just these scenes of running around the bonsai institute which right. just like that is what research looks like it's okay. like I, I like that. It was it I was like actually incredibly real compared to everything else that people kind of see and, and take it away as this illusion of what research was like. Okay. So I, I'm into I, that. It was something that yeah. was something they did they pulled off really well. I'll give you a point there. <laughs> Out of a hundred, by the way. Yeah. So not you're not even. required to like the movie, but but appreciate what I they wanted got right. to so bad, Robert. I really did. I was <laughs> trying my best, um, but it was just every. It seemed like every 10, 15 minutes there was something else that happened. I was like, I don't know what that means. I don't know where we are. I don't know where we're going. Yeah, it was. Oh, well, I can explain it all to you. But anyway, okay, great. <laughs> we'll watch it together the next time. Um, okay, so but let's talk about the first scientific 
ordeal that happens here in the film, which is what we described, this car that drives through a mountain. Yeah. And so there's two explanations that I found in the film. One is that he's in another dimension that he gets because there's like a creature that's now attached to his car. Like a little brain thing. Like a little brain thing from the eighth dimension, which I don't know if we found out what the hell that was. Or how it got in the car because no. I'm assuming his windows were shut. I don't know. I don't know. Well, that's why it was on the outside of the car. It was actually on the, the drive chassis underneath. Oh, got it. Yeah, so, but yeah, what it's the thing it? he pried off after he got right. out. So don't know what it is. Don't know what that is. They said it was alive. Then he explained during the press conference, which, by the way, he brought the suicidal girl to who had a gun. I don't know why she was on the. Yeah, of all the people you could choose to be your love interest, why her? And well, why she, you give her a microphone? You don't right. know it at the time. Well, that's you don't know it at the time, right? You find out later she's the twin sister of his wife who's gone. Okay, and so yeah, so maybe he was thinking not a little. That's why all of his friends were like, oh, no. Oh, Here no. we go. Let me Here tell you go. something. And this is just maybe me. But if I have to give a press conference and I'm a scientist and I have to explain something to the world and then I meet uh, somebody who looks exactly like my ex-girlfriend who just tried to kill themselves, I'm not going to put her next to me and put a microphone on a her. panel. Yeah, well, I'm not going to have her the, answer questions. Where the president is listening. So, I mean, if you just want to advertise the world, you're just not as cool as Buckaroo Banzai, <laughs> then all right. I, okay. I accept that. Not okay. everyone can be as cool as Buckaroo. Hey, so. And he was right. And she knew what she was talking about. She, and she did. So he knew something that I don't. The second explanation is that he holds up a rock and he says, this is matter, but most of matter is empty space. That there's molecules, but most of it is stuff in between the molecules. And so we have found a way, I don't know if you explain this, maybe you know, to travel into matter because there's all this space in there. We can just spend so much time wandering around. Well, uh, the, the term I want to make sure everyone understands the table, right? Science fiction. Sure. Right. So this is the point at which the narrative goes off and makes up something that's not real. So okay. I'm not I'm not going to defend that this is a documentary of sure. the possibilities of real. It didn't seem travel. like it. But the two elements. Well, the, there is some real science, though, in what he said. Here we go. Like, again, there's that basic idea that a piece of solid matter, you know, we see it as solid. But when you actually look at what, you know, it, constitutes it right it yeah. is it is subatomic particles that are bound together by forces but the you know the localized particles themselves are very very small and there are proportionally vast spaces between them okay. right it is it's only the forces like in the case of an atom it's the electromagnetic force that maintains the the structure of the electron orbits around the nucleus okay but right the the actual you know measurable dimension of an electron is is, is actually quite compact when you focus i mean it's also quantum mechanics so it's all spread out and uh, the, the it gets very messy there that, that you know you, you can localize something very precisely and say it's a very small particle or you can just pay attention to how it's moving and then you don't know exactly where it is localized but you know what its motion is huh. something called the heisenberg uncertainty principle it basically you can know its position very precisely or its momentum very precisely but you can't know both super precisely because it's so small because it turns out at a quantum level matter behaves in a way that is completely counterintuitive to anything we ever experience in the macroscopic world that that, that you know the, the microscopic is fundamentally driven by probabilities and everything has a, a wave-like property that that that, a, that a, an electron really isn't just a point, a particle, like a little nugget of a rock, right? It's right. actually a wave of possible locations, and it's only at a spot 
when you actually start looking for it and you might find it at this spot or that spot, but its actual position is only best described by a range of probable locations that some more probable than others. This is the whole field of quantum mechanics is wrapped up in this really complex idea that fundamentally nature is statistics based at its fundamental level, not deterministic. Yes. And it averages out to a world that on the surface looks very deterministic, right? When mm -hmm. probability, if you roll the dice enough, you know what the, the distribution is going to be. And so in the macroscopic world, that gives us what we think of as the deterministic simple laws of physics. Right. But, but it's like yeah, Vegas. Yeah, like, yeah, it's Vegas. the Vegas of science. Matter yes. is Vegas. Because, you know, and uh, because the people who run the casinos understand the laws of probability, right. they understand the probability distributions of their games, they know exactly what the average outcome is going to be, so that's why they always win. But the, the house but always like, wins. But the cards in this case are unknown. We can't see them. Right. So they're protons. But but again, that basic idea that matter is more open space and mm -hmm. less little physical objects is actually very, very true. And you're right, there is a little bit of confusion is did he didn't just slide through that? That's like, you know, this is the uh, argument used in the comic books for the flash. Uh, the flash can vibrate his molecules so he can move between the spaces between atoms and can vibrate through solid objects. Because he's going oh. so fast. Well, because he vibrates in a way that his his particles can mm. intermingle between the spaces and the other particles. Okay. It wouldn't work. But well, you know, again, it's it's I don't get it's that. that idea. Yeah, because I was thinking when he was going through the mountain I was like, is that a speed thing? Because maybe you would have to break the sound barrier in order to, in the science fiction world, travel through walls or mountains or stuff. Same thing mm -hmm. with like the flux capacitor where you need a bolt of lightning yeah. in order to... Superpower. Yes. Interesting. Some yeah. sort of extra propulsion. And then like you say, he gives that explanation of there's empty space and matter to slip between, but ultimately his point is, but that's not where I was. I, I went through the matter, but I ended up in this other dimensional space right. with its own organisms, its own things, and I managed to carry a, a little chunk of that back with me. Right. And that was that, that little creature. Now, again, is there a physics basis for dimensional travel? Uh, there is certainly a lot of um, uh, physics underpinning for the idea of more than the three physical dimensions and the time dimension. Uh, a lot of this ties to quantum mechanics and, and trying to build you know, unified theories of, of the forces of nature. This is way not my specialization, so I just, I'm just an armchair scientist on that topic like everybody else. But the idea that you know, there could literally be 11 dimensions in the world around us, most of which are ones that we don't really perceive because they're very they're sort of compact, but they allow for energy to flow and create emergent particles that explain physics. Yeah. That's a whole other thing. That also isn't exactly the kind of dimension that he's talking about. He's oh. that this is more like the sci-fi dimension of a okay, we, we go through, we open it up, we end up in another physical space that, you know, is coincident with our space, mm. but it has its own particles and creatures and fluids and and, okay. and whatnot. And and like the upside down. Like the upside down. Like, okay. Yeah, that's right. You know, came many years ago. Clearly a reference to yeah. Buckaroo Banzai. So it's like. <laughs> yeah. Everything took something. E everything. Everything. Yeah. I mean, that thing that uh, Will throws up in the beginning sort of looked like the, the thing from the bottom. Oh, of hey, the that's car. true. Yeah. Well, yeah, a little horror dimension. And but then, you know, you want the comic book uh, uh, overtones here, too. Right. The, mm -hmm. So the, the, the idea, right, that evolves from that is that there are these electroids that live on planet 10. Which yes. Now we would actually call planet nine because we've demoted Pluto since then. But yes. anyway, mm. uh, the idea is, you know, they had these these villains, the red electroids. And so to get rid of them, they sent them all into this other dimension. 
well, mm. the, this this is just like the Phantom Zone, right? Yeah. This is where this is where Superman's people sent all their criminals. They had a little portal into another dimension. Mm. They yeah, shoved them off them in there into that corner. And so prison dimension. Yeah. Yeah. A prison dimension. Now the idea is that Buckaroo's father, long ago, had started to try to open that dimensional portal, oh. and his. That's that you get this flashback from Big uh, Big Booty, right? Oh my no, god! No, it's Big Booty. You know. Don't get me started. But um, that's the strip club dimension. Big, you booty. know, like fifty years ago, they kind of opened that dimension. But but Buckaroo's father's friend actually like got taken over by one of the red electroids when he got partly into that dimension. Oh, and he had been living in the body. We oh. saw this. What is it? Yeah, yeah. The, the, oh, the, Lithgow. The, Lithgow. Yeah, John Lithgow. Oh. Right. So right. The, the body of John Lithgow was the body of the original dude. scientist. Right. But the Italian. The, but but the red electroid got into him uh, and then has been kind of controlling that's him. That's why his teeth were gray. And it's why he was in an insane asylum because, you know, no one Spouting believed him. Crazy yeah, stuff. although they just pretty much let him out, no problem. Well, you know, he did have to break the neck of somebody. and you Yeah, know. but he was just hanging there. Well, yeah, you know. It wasn't a high-security insane asylum. <laughs> Not know. at all. This was no Arkham. Okay, and also, yeah. he wasn't an alien. Can you uh, verify that for me? Because... We would see the, him. I thought for sure he was John, same, but we would see him in human form all the time in the same scenes as the aliens. But then they would be in alien form, right? No, no, right, because Lithgow was different. He was a human who was basically possessed by a red electroid, whereas the rest of the red electroids managed to get out of the eighth dimension during that electrical storm at right. Grover's Mill. Some War weird thing happened. Yes, opened up a portal, and a bunch of them got out. Mm-hmm. And then they had been you know, trying to build up their own little thing, trying to be able to build and rescue the rest of their people so then they could go back out and gotcha. take out the, uh, the, the, the black electroids on, on Planet 10. Okay. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. The break is over. Here we go, back to the show about science. I don't want to insult <laughs> a ton of scientists here all at once, but I have a question sure. about the, the dimensional quantum mechanics that you were mentioning. Mm-hmm. So I feel like when 15 years ago or so, when I first started getting into quantum stuff and I would like watch documentaries, it feels like we're at pretty much the same point we're at now, that we just don't know what happens when we go to this super nano level. We hit the ceiling. Is that true, or are we closer? Is there stuff that we know now that we didn't know at the time? There are. Uh, it, the rate of advancement has decelerated rapidly mm. over, over recent. Right. It, so there was a, a period of you know sort of rapid gains in the, the the 60s and the 70s. You know, even the 80s. But it got to a point where we sort of had tapped out everything we could discover in a particle accelerator at the energies that we had available to us. Yeah. Uh, I mean, one of the big new discoveries in, in recent history was um, uh, the, the Higgs boson. Right. That was that lots of news, you know, back at uh, CERN for basically building a particle accelerator to go to higher energies. That gave you the ability to access particles of, of greater mass that we couldn't get to before. And so it started to let us peek into a little more of that, that, that particle spectrum we hadn't been able to get into. Yeah. But it's really hard. You know, building these things is difficult. It takes a lot of money. And then to increase the energy level even further, right? That's what you sort of have to do. You have to keep building the accelerators to get to higher and higher levels of energy so that you can maybe find other particles that are out there that you have to have a higher energy interaction to create. Mm to then see, you know, are they fitting into the framework we think is there? Yeah. But obviously, yeah, the, this idea, forces of nature. There are four fundamental forces. Okay, I feel like we're there about is, to be quizzed. Okay, so one is the electromagnetic force. Okay. And it's the force that makes atoms hold together. It makes the table solid. It's, you know, where light comes from. Sounds important. There is the strong force, so the nuclear force. Mm-hmm. This is the force that 
holds uh, protons together in the nucleus of an atom. Because you think protons are positively charged, they should repel, but there is another force that takes over if you get them close enough together that Ooh. actually overcomes the repulsion and lets them like stick together into a little glob to make the nucleus. Okay. Mm. And that's involved in nuclear fission and nuclear fusion. It's like in fusion, you take two hydrogen atoms, and if you can slam together hard enough, they overcome the repulsion and slam together to form a helium mm. atom. That gives you some energy out. On the other hand, you take on the other end of the spectrum, you take big atoms like um, uh, uranium, or a big fat nucleus, and sometimes it can move in a way that, that the electrical forces sort of overcome the strong force and it splits into two smaller pieces. Oh. That's a fusion process. And you can make you know, bombs out of that too. Fun, uh, Fun stuff. So yeah, but so yeah, strong force very much about like the, what makes the nuclei of atoms. Okay. Then we've got the, something called the weak force. This is it's my kind of force. It's it's very esoteric. It's like you may have heard of neutrinos. Yeah. Neutrinos are particles that basically weak interactions are about the only things that they do. And so that's why you can have a billion neutrinos coursing through your body and none of them will ever actually interact with any of the particles in your body. So they're very hard to detect. We have mm. to build huge detectors that have gazillions, that's the official term, gazillions of neutrinos <laughs> streaming through. And once in a while, one of them will then actually do an interaction that creates a little burst of light that the detector sees. And then we can say, aha, that was neutrino. Wow. So, uh, uh, and, and they're also involved with uh, uh, nuclear reactions when things split apart or when uh, you, can, you can actually, there are ways that like neutrons can become protons and vice versa and neutrinos are involved with that. And then the, the last one, the fourth one, anyone? What's the fourth force? Oh boy. What did I leave out? What? Gravity. Gravity. Wow. Gravity. I right? learned something from doing this podcast for two years. That. I was going to say that. Yeah, sure. So what's interesting Weak is. Weak force brain. I was going to say Doritos. <laughs> so like the whole quantum mechanics <laughs> things, we've, cool we've really, un, we really understand kind of how the electromagnetic, the strong and the weak force are all sort of different manifestations of the same thing. And mm -hmm. then we have a, a unified theory, ties it all together, explains all the particles, really well done. Okay. Bing, bang, boom. Then we got gravity and we can't make uh -oh. it fit. That wow. is the thing that's, that, that it just on a quantum level, we just, can't, we just can't make gravity fit. And that's been sort of the focus of a lot of particle physics and, and th theoretical particle physics for the last 40 years, 50 years, is how does gravity tie in to the same quantum base? And that's, when, that's what string theory is all about. And that is you know, lots of speculation, trying to find what is some mathematical framework that's gonna explain this, that's gonna make gravity Do you subscribe to one theory or another? I, uh, that is so out of my, my research area, I... Yeah, but I know you have homies that... You got gravity <laughs> homies. Yeah, string theory and stuff. I mean, there aren't any really good viable theories that make gravity work on, with quantum mechanics at all. Oh, right so now. you're insulting. So what about by doctor or scientist John Mayer? I feel like he's doing a lot of... Uh, gravity. Gravity. Well, I mean, one of the big... <laughs> He uh, he's certainly made contributions, Absolutely. and uh, uh, but I uh, I can't say that that he's going to get the Nobel Prize for that. Okay, he should so. at least a Grammy. Yeah. Well, you you go you go talk to the committee. You know, make a make a proposal. We will uh, make sure that he has cited references. You know, I, I guess you could count his downloads for his songs. Right. That that's got to be yeah. the art equivalent of a, a citations of a manuscript. I think yeah. so. I, mean, uh, I think if you get enough streams on Spotify, you can just get a Nobel Peace Prize. I think that's how that works. Yeah, but like string theory, one of the big tensions in physics right now is does string theory even count as physics anymore? Because, you know, after decades of work, it still doesn't produce Results. really viable predictions that you can do an experiment to either validate or invalidate. Uh. And so on the one hand, you have 
physicists would say, well, look, you've had enough time. You can't even give me something I can do in a lab to even differentiate are any of your theories testable. So that's just math now. That doesn't count as physics. Yeah. On the other hand, you say, well, this is a really hard, complicated problem. And we've made a lot of progress. But while we don't really have like you know something testable yet, you know, maybe this is a 50-year problem, not not a, not right. a five-year problem. That's so. definitely how it seems to me. Obviously, I don't know anything about anything. But when I'm <laughs> thinking about these... I can concur with that. I, thank you, Eric. Uh, these tiny particles that we can't map down, I mean, what else can you possibly do besides test them the way that we're testing them? It just feels like it's going to take forever to know. I mean, it's questioning the basis of reality, right? Like, if we don't know what matter is doing or we can't pin down where it is then that puts everything into question yeah. and and also actually ties into questions that are more in my wheelhouse which is astrophysics because it turns out all of these fundamental questions about particle physics also bring us back to the beginnings of the universe right. and the big bang and and uh, you know the fact that we live in a universe that is expanding and that you know, you run it back in time, right? When we got to the universe was much denser, the energy density was higher, and and the temperatures went back. Now, did that create all of creation and space and time and all together, or is this part of a larger manifold of a multiverse that little big bangs can spring off and create whole universes? There's a little bit of how many angels are dancing on the head of a pin to these arguments. Again, right. we come back to the testability, but. Part of that comes from the fact that our knowledge of how all the fundamental forces fit together is still incomplete. And so we actually can do a remarkable job of running back what we understand about the matter we see in the universe, the temperatures that would have been at, you know, back in time, and even down to being able to predict from the physics we understand and what we think the universe is like, what would be the amount of hydrogen versus helium versus lithium that we would expect to have been forged when the universe was just one big bath of hot particles and how does that match what we see in the universe when we look around and, you know, we can make that all line up and make sense. Like literally like the amount of hydrogen helium in the sun is something that we can kind of infer and predict from what we understand about particle physics and running it back to what would have been conditions would have been like in the Big Bang. Wow. So this is some pretty big stuff, some good consistencies that have you know really tied so much of this together. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, there's that thing, this gravity thing, and it's yeah. not fitting with the rest of the pieces. And, you know, clearly you're going to have to have all the physics make sense before you can really dig down into that beginning moment and start to ask, well, what was, was there anything before the Big Bang? Or is this part, you know, is it, is there a multiverse? Is that a possibility? Is, is yeah. there, is that part of what drives you to do the work that you do is trying to figure out the beginnings of all of this? I mean, I think that's a big pull for anyone in, in physics or, or astronomy, right? It's that at some level it can touch some of the biggest questions of why is the universe yeah the way it is or just, <laughs> just why, why is exist? the universe right, right. you know what everything happened. right and the fact that our understanding of cosmology just during my professional career has changed so much the uh, yeah. you know even when i was in grad school we knew about the idea of dark matter that there seemed to be gravity acting from sources that we couldn't actually see in any Part of the electromagnetic spectrum there's something out there that still seems to be exerting gravitational influence on on the rotation of stars and galaxies and and galaxy clusters so there was this thing of dark matter which is still very much a mystery now but on top of that you know since i've been studying astronomy we've gotten to this point where we've discovered this weird thing that as it expands everything pointed to gravity pulling on everything kind of internally would slow that acceleration down over time and the question was will it stop it or will it keep expanding 
and discovering that actually it doesn't look like it's slowing down. It looks like it's starting to speed up again. Mm -hmm. And this opens up this whole question of something called dark energy, which is really just a word we can put on to something we don't understand at all. You know, it's like having a patient come into the doctor and you say, okay, you have this weird set of symptoms. We have no idea what it is, but I'm going to call it the the something syndrome. And now we have a name for it. (laughs) And now we'll go on and study the the something syndrome. And and it sounds like we know what we're talking about. And that's kind of what dark energy is. (laughs) We know the symptom. And we know the characteristics. We don't know any of the root causes yet, but at least it gives us a focal point for what is the kind of questions we're asking with the telescopes we want to build in the coming decades and which things can we do to start to answer some of that. Yeah, I hope you do. ASAP. Yeah, because I I know, I know. We're on a a timer here. I don't want to say you're wasting your time by being here, (laughs) but kind of. Um, (laughs) There's a part in the movie, going back to this fantastic film uh, that uh, Eric and I both love. (laughs) 10 out of 10. I'll Uh, win you over, man. I've I've got how many minutes left to win you over? (laughs) I I don't know if that's ever going to happen, my friend. Um, So there's a part I wanted to get your thoughts on where, okay, so he's talking on the phone in a phone booth and he gets like a shock, like an electric shock from the phone from the black aliens, the black Black electrodes. Who can send shocks to people. Yes, of info. Yes. Right? Yeah. And it's a formula. And so then he very quickly writes down the formula on his hand. And then later on, his dad? Uh, uh, a... The scientist the guy? Scientist. Japanese scientist man? Yeah, is that his dad? I forget now. Couldn't tell you. I yeah. don't know. Couldn't tell you. One Not of many... great storytelling if I can't know who his dad is. <laughs> One of many things I didn't understand. But he wants the formula and he goes, tell me the formula, just give it to me. And I guess there's like a time rush or something because he decides to lick his hand and then, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, he licks his hand and like licks his slaps hand and then, it on his forehead. Yes, yeah, so slaps that, his forehead and then it's just written there on his head. And the beauty is, with that particular transfer method, if yeah. he then goes to a mirror to look at his forehead, because it reversed once and reverses yes. in the mirror, he'll be able to read it. Smart so guy. I think that was really, that was an incredibly clever way to transfer that information <laughs> rapidly and efficiently in a, critic, in a crisis situation. Do you think so. Elon Musk saw that and was like, I gotta be like this dude? <laughs> yeah, maybe. You think he's like a modern day Buckaroo Banzai? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's more for you to I don't answer. Know. Does but... he does he have a rock band? No, but he is dating Grimes. So he. Well, okay, okay, yeah. and and I don't think he's done any neurosurgery. Yeah, no, but he did build a flamethrower. <laughs> don't tug on that. Car. Don't tug on that. You never know what it might be attached to. Oh, Jesus. sorry, I can uh, I can quote these oh, things wow. all day long. These also are... what I love from the that shock when the aliens can send shocks. <laughs> yes, at the very end, he goes to kiss uh, oh, Sleeping right. Beauty style, and, he's still... yes. and then he gets a shock on her lips, and then it just cuts to the other alien looking directly at the camera, and I'm like, yeah. so what? Big deal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I what? can quote this whole movie to you, man. It's... Why? What was that? That last. Are you, line... Also, are the aliens Jamaican? <laughs> <laughs> Big deal. <laughs> Big deal. <laughs> And you see, maybe this inspired Lucas when he came up with um, Jar 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 Binks. Binks. Maybe. The worst part of Star Wars. Right. (laughs) For sure. I can't say anything to make make you enjoy it more on your first viewing. It's going to take me at least a year to go back and watch this movie. I'm I'm affected by it. I mean, I had the watermelon. You know, like there's that scene they're running through. That part I loved. What? That's a watermelon. I got to be honest I'll tell you later. And they (laughs) never say it. It's just a random watermelon in the lab. And he goes, why is there a watermelon? So there's a story behind that, actually. Oh, okay, great. So they were um, sitting dailies into the studio right and uh-huh. the studio normally like has feedback on on stuff and right. they were noticing like they just weren't getting comments because apparently the studio <laughs> were like where you what go what the hell's going uh, on here just, we have no idea what are what am i going to comment going. on it's uh, like 
I uh, barfed. Yeah. But apparently they're like, well, let's just stick a watermelon and see if they even notice. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so they just toss it. We like, were just talking about <laughs> something like that today. <laughs> what were we talking you about? You were saying that uh, you had a teacher that didn't. Uh, oh, right. That you didn't think read your papers. And then the second page of a three-page paper, you just wrote about how you a had goat. a relationship with a goat. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> and she then didn't you got notice. a B plus. <laughs> yeah, she didn't read it. <laughs> Sometimes people are not paying attention. You got to take advantage. Yeah, yeah. And put a watermelon in your movie. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, okay, so we're wrapping up here, Eric. Any more questions about this movie, about science, about dimensions? My Ask only... me about Planet Nine or Ten. Oh, okay. sure. What's Planet we Nine? Haven't, we haven't talked about that, right? Because in the movie, right, they're 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 from Planet they're from Ten. Planet Ten, but well, also from the eighth dimension. So, but what? also from well, so right, is they, that they a the bad guys. in that dimension? No, no, no. Because the the uh, the black electroids actually live on Planet Ten in our solar system. Of course, that's when we had Pluto's Planet Nine. So right. the idea there was some other planet we didn't know about further right. out that. Somehow the the electrons live on, yeah. Uh, and of course, the idea is now that uh, we've redefined or we finally defined what planet is in a way that now excludes Pluto. So that, Dwarf that planet. took us down yeah, sorry. To, to eight. Sorry, that took us down to eight. So that's fine. But uh, but the idea is, you know, we actually do have some evidence that there is a planet nine, which in mm. 1985 would have been or 84 would have been. 10, uh, that uh, actually is due to uh, research at Caltech. Uh, oh, hey so uh, uh, there are astronomers there who have been actually studying and mapping out uh, the orbits of these uh, uh, so-called Kuiper Belt objects. They're, they're basically all of the debris that's orbiting past Neptune, which includes Pluto. It's oh. one of many objects out there. It's just one of the larger just huge. ones. Yeah. But they, uh, uh, when they were mapping out these, these discoveries one by one, and again, right, this is something that, that just over decades of work, you start slowly filling out the catalogs and you start discovering these incredibly small, faint, they're dark. Some of them are as dark as soot. They're so far away that they're over 40 times as far away from the sun as we are. Wow. And so it's like, it's just almost nighttime out there. So they're, but we still can, with our telescopes, detect some of the reflected light from them if, if you try really hard. Um, over time, you build up a catalog and some of these objects seem to have these weird orbits that were sort of kicked off in one particular direction compared to everything else. Ooh. And the analysis suggested that if you're gonna have something asymmetric, there's a preferential direction that things have been scattered to the right. That means there must be sort of something else that you don't know about to the left right. that has occasionally come in and, and, and had that effect and yeah. modified the orbits. So because of that, we now have a search going on for some large object, possibly larger than Earth, mm. that's out there. Dancing um, in the dark. Dancing wow. in the dark. Now we the don't Bruce know. Springsteen and again, planet. You know, there could be other reasons to explain the statistics. You know, mm. there could be, maybe we haven't found some of the ones that were kicked off in the other direction for different reasons. But uh, that said, it's one of these interesting challenges. Like, how do you find something that's too faint and dark to find. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, the, the planets we knew of up until, you know, modern astronomy, you know, stopped at Saturn because Saturn is the last planet in our solar system you can see with the naked eye. Mm -hmm. But we actually found uh, uh, Uranus and Neptune by seeing how the orbit of Saturn was affected, affected right. by the gravity and then inferred, oh, well, there's gotta be something over there. And then we found it. And then likewise, that took us out to uh, Neptune. Ironically, Pluto was found because of some tiny variance in Neptune's orbit, which turns out not to be real in retrospect, Ooh. but suggested there might be something off in the area sky, which is in fact where Pluto was found. 
Ooh. But that was again. That was that was a uh, like uh, red uh, herring. Uh, uh, conviction by by coincidence, right? It turned uh, out Pluto wasn't nearly big enough to have had that effect. It just happened to be in the right place at the right time when someone was actually searching over there. Mm. So mm. yeah. So there, but there is this idea that that you know by seeing how objects' orbits have been perturbed, you can infer the existence of other things. And so okay. that's going to be one of our big things. Is there is there a cool big planet out there? I that's hope so. Dark I sure hope see? so. Yeah. And and if we find it. Are there electroids on it? <laughs> and are they going to name it like Bonsai or Buckaroo? Yeah. Uh, also, weird inflection of Buckaroo Bonsai. Because I don't normally I say Buckaroo. Buckaroo hey, Bonsai. Hey, Buckaroo. But oh, it's you're weird right. to say Buckaroo Bonsai. Maybe. Also, yep. is John Lithgow from Third Rock from the Sun the same alien? Oh, definitely. Those worlds are the same. <laughs> There's is no this doubt the about same it. universe? I hope there's an episode with Buckaroo Bonsai where he comes in and does a guitar solo. Well, yeah. he's clearly not playing the solo. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> at least uh, Michael J. Fox looked like he was playing. Yeah, they were just yep. cut to his hands. Dope. And they had probably some dude slash slash playing. <laughs> um, okay, rapid fire stuff here. Mm -hmm. Are oh, you believe in aliens? I believe life must exist somewhere else in the universe. Okay. I'm not going to commit to believing they are visiting us today on Earth. Have they visited us before? Have they tried to make contact? I'm gonna. I'll put my money on no right now, but um, okay. I was willing to reevaluate. I, 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 you are putting say, your money on this, by the way. I, I'm. Wow. Let yeah, me say thick, thick water cash. If you'd asked me 45 years ago, I would have said yes. But okay. I'm one of those. You know, I grew up as a true believer. Grew up as a true believer. I was a little molder as a kid growing up, and, <laughs> uh -huh. and read all the books, read all the UFO books. Would have had that I want to believe poster on my wall if, I, if they fan. made them back then. Yep. But you know, once I learned a little more physics and a little more astronomy, and like, ah, okay, a lot of that stuff is a lot less convincing than it was when I was six. Interesting. Yeah. So, what yeah. about the whole Nimitz case, the 2004 stuff, New York Times, U.S. Navy fighter pilots? Stuff. I mean, and that's the weird stuff. That is, okay. that's fascinating. And I like, okay, I don't have an explanation. But again, I don't want, you, from a science perspective, you don't want to jump in and you see, oh, that's a weird thing and say, oh, well, clearly it is a something that's very specific along one particular line of thinking that's tied to a lot of cultural backstory. Like, right. you know, What's the simplest explanation that goes with it? And then secret government shit. Yeah, yeah, you know. I would assume. Okay, what about the dimensional thing? I know you weren't subscribing to one or another, but you know, if you had to say, you think there's like a fourth dimension where we can somehow travel in time at some point? Do you think there's multiple? Or an eighth? Do you think there's an, an eighth? Are there infinite dimensions? Well, you know, we'll, we'll parallel count, universe. We'll count time as the fourth dimension. That right. was that was part of Einstein's contribution that you can actually think of. Time is just a, another manifestation of geometry, and then you can have four dimensions all goes together. Yep. Uh, e equals mc squared. That was his big thing. Eric, you're fired. <laughs> he's not wrong. That was no, his big he's, thing. He's not yeah, wrong. I'm, he's just fired. I'm uh, not <laughs> wrong. I'm just out. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to go agnostic on uh, other dimensional travel. Okay. Like, I'm just, you know, I'm not going to rule it out, but I've seen no compelling evidence for mm. it yet either. So, all right. Ghosts. No. The Earth flat? <laughs> really not flat. You would know. Okay. Really, right. really. I am dumbfounded that we are actually having this conversation. It's just cool I to say just, it's flat. Yeah, and it's hard to see sometimes when you're out there on the horizon. Right. It's like, hard to see the curvature of the Earth sometimes. Yeah, it's confusing. I, 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 and sometimes I, I, you're a nine-year-old moron who just watches... YouTube videos, YouTube videos, conspiracy videos. Yeah, no, I, I, this, I feel like we have, as a society, regressed for what? our ability to evaluate critically facts, 
facts, right? Right. Nah, this we're idea, in a better place than ever. And, and you know, and if I really wanted to go wild on the speculation for a minute, let's just say, for the number of movies and TV shows that write a story that at the end of the movie you're like, that didn't make a lick of sense, but yet it still makes a billion, billion dollars because people don't care if the story makes sense because it made them feel good right, or like yeah. I like the character or whatever like let's just enable uh, yeah, yeah. Buck Rubanza made sense man <laughs> that story made sense <laughs> whatever its own rules but Interstellar made sense it just was boring but I'm wondering if that's like some manifestation of this larger idea like we don't need our movies to make sense anymore because we don't actually need our politics or our science to make sense right anything yeah. Like someone just likes the narrative of, oh, I like the idea that the earth is flat and this is just some big conspiracy. And it doesn't matter if it actually makes any sense or if there's anything to support. It doesn't matter. I'd rather just embrace things that have the narrative that I want to hear mm-hmm. rather than do I actually care if it made sense or is right. right. And, and, it's and like, we're just living in a post-facts world. Yeah, yeah. Where and it's it, like, well, I don't, I'm, you're right. I've never been to space. I don't know. I can't tell you that I've seen the earth being round and and you know the success of jj abram movies is just a manifestation of how much it doesn't need to make sense anymore and it doesn't people don't really even care if it makes sense yeah star trek was good yeah but life doesn't have Uh blue anamorphic lights dude (laughs) (laughs) yeah whatever (laughs) i like it wasn't real (laughs) um okay thank you guys so much for being here and uh talking about this absolutely brilliant film that uh is one of my favorite films of all time I just pander to me, man. I like it. Keep saying that. I yeah. want to. I want to believe what you say is true, and it fits my narrative. So I'm going to believe hard. you're being. A honest. lot of people love this movie. It's a cult yeah, classic. Cult classic. So, and honestly, it's hard. We're the minority here. It's hard for. Or me. are we? Because a cult means that it's not the majority. Yeah, that's well, a good point. I have no might idea. Be the not, I, I will be honest. I uh, to get ready for the show again. I actually, I'd been wanting to show it to my partner, and we watched it about a week or so ago, and he didn't. Like it. I, 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 <laughs> he, he, At all. He was not upset. Come on, so he said, enjoy it. He wasn't upset with me for having him. He's, he's actually a plant biologist. So <laughs> all right. Okay. okay. Smart guy. Smart you guy. know, let's just say he didn't love it, sure. but he wasn't angry at me for having made him watch it. So it's somewhere in the middle. Robert. That's when, not a rave. Yeah. When someone's <laughs> telling you how they it feel. It was a scream. They're not, he's probably trying not to hurt your feelings also. Yeah. You got to take that. Like maybe if I brought him oh. in here, you weren't in here. He'd be like, oh, that was a piece of crap. Yeah, I hated no, that. I don't think that's an issue. <laughs> oh, okay. Good. He's honest with you. Uh, Eric, what would you like to tell people about? Where can people find you? I mean. Oh, my God. Please. Everywhere. <laughs> Online. I'm on, on the internet. I'm on all platforms. Uh, I downloaded TikTok. I haven't used it. Okay, so they shouldn't try to find you Don't try and find me on TikTok. I'm probably not going to use it. (laughs) I feel like it's going to go the way of Vine. Um, Bing, bing, bing. Bong, bong, bong. So Ethan and I are in the Cooties. Yes. You can follow us on Instagram at the Cooties. Yes, on YouTube. Cooties on YouTube. Releasing YouTube videos now. Yes, we are. Uh, Success Express podcast. Absolutely. Ethan and I have a podcast where we talk about money, but not really. It's a fake. It's a fake financial show. And you can listen to my band Cape Weather on Spotify. Yes, excellent band. They're releasing new stuff all the time. It's fantastic. And you have a new shirt that has a big lobster on it, which I love. It's a big lobster dinner. I get compliments with every, our band's name spelled in butter. <laughs> every time I wear the shirt, mm, butter yeah, compliment. Uh, Robert, where can people read your uh, movie reviews for uh, <laughs> cult classics from the eighties? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really need to start that up, Joel and I. So, well, my social media footprint is very v- invisible these days, but you can definitely. 
definitely follow some of the things that we do to do kind of fun science-oriented videos on our uh, site, uh, universeunplugged.org, mm, or uh, just search for it on YouTube or on Facebook. And uh, you know, we've got videos up like our Habit of the Lone series, where we have some actors from The Expanse doing, mm. helping us sort of teach some uh, science about what planets are like around other stars. Cool. Uh, we also uh, are doing now monthly live chats on uh, on like Facebook and YouTube, oh. with, where you have a couple scientists on talking about the theme. So if you join, you can kind of ask questions. Okay. So that's all up on uh, universeunplugged.org. Universeunplugged.org. Quick question. Yep. Who is the best science uh, film documentary narrator? Ooh. Because oh. I've been thinking about this. Is it Attenborough? Is it Sagan? Is it Morgan, Weaver? Morgan Freeman. You Morgan throw Freeman. It, right? It, it can't be Morgan Freeman after um, that movie where he goes on about we only do ten per- use ten percent of our brain. Oh my God, for, Lucy! Uh, Lucy, yes, yes. I never sorry. saw it. <laughs> don't. Oh, we covered it on the pod. It used ten percent. Yeah. See, and I don't. Brains. I don't like all the movies. I, I, we agree on that one. Yeah. Okay. We're on the same page there. That was a weird one. Um, Attenborough. I feel like he's the man. Sure. Let's Adam go with Burr's that. Very good. He's so good. Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up on Sagan. Uh, Sagan has a lot of he had, character. He has, a, you know, a kind of... Billions slow-cake. and billions. I, I, again, worked well for me in the 80s. Might be considered a little slow by modern standards. Sure. So, mm-hmm. you know. That does make sense. Yeah. Come on, guys. Slow down. Take slow it down. easy. Slow <laughs> down. Be like Sagan. Yeah. Slow it down. Watch some watch some relaxing stuff. Yeah. Read a book. Read Where, a book. Am I right? Read a you ever, book. You ever see The Powers of Ten? Oh, yeah. The, the, um, yeah, the original. Um, yeah. I've been to the Eames house, actually. Whoa, the, really? Yeah, you can actually... Uh, uh, it's, it's I want to go up v- in, very bad. It's like uh, Santa Monica up in the hills overlooking uh, uh, the beach there. Free? And, can you uh, just go? Seven thousand dollars, ten bucks. I think it's like maybe twenty bucks or something to get. It's it's, it's, it's an estate, right? But um, <laughs> it, it's actually one of uh, it's like an architecturally significant house. But I they bet. they have some of the Powers equipment of that <gasps> they used to make power, like like the like there was this big giant ruler scale yeah. ruler that they used because you know they were literally running cameras. Up yeah, Do you know about this Powers of Ten? Yeah. No, it's uh basically it starts with like this aerial shot of like a couple having a picnic and uh, lakefront park in uh or lake shore park lake shore in uh chicago okay and they just go further up by like 10 then they multiply it by 10 and 10 and 10 until it's like further away from the earth okay and it goes right back down it's very cool and, and so it's like a drone I don't even know well, what they did. I, I mean, so the idea is, right, it was really trying to encompass just how vast the scale of the universe is by yes. just saying, like, every tick is another fact, Power factor of 10. Of 10. Not, not twice as far away, but 10 times bigger, right? And so mm. you you just go and you tick and you tick, and then you get to where the stars are, then you get to the galaxies, then you get to the whole scale of the universe. Damn. And that reverses and it reverses back down, back. and it goes down into the atom, like into the mo- into a cell, into a, yeah. a molecule, into an atom. Okay, right? and so, that's fun. Yes. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And, uh, you know, that and has very, been uh, repeated by many, many many people many many times since mm. that original but hmm. so good okay and very uh calmly narrated it, it is very by good. who i don't know probably it might be the eames people uh, really it was yeah. ray eames ray eames yeah Maybe. okay great very cool well go see that house and uh do a voice recording and we'll put it on the podcast send your <laughs> <laughs> send audio recordings of you overdubbing planet earth yep. and we'll judge them yeah. On bad science. That uh, makes the most sense. It's the <laughs> good use of your and our hey, time. Robot spy gorilla. <laughs> but Sigourney Weaver can't because she already overdubbed Planet Earth the first time. Right. Ah, of course. She's but, excluded. But she wins everything also. She's so good. <laughs> She's so great. In Avatar. Oh, yeah. Never saw it. Don't need to. Didn't <laughs> like it. You like Avatar? Are we on the same page on that? Yeah, I liked it. All I'm right. not, not going to defend it as best movie ever, but once again, it. enemies. 
Ah. I'm glad we ended on that. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Eric, Robert. I'll see you guys next time. All right. Thanks for listening to Science Enemies. <laughs> or Science Frenemies. Ooh. Bad Science is hosted and produced by me, Ethan Edinburgh. Our associate producer is Emily Feld. Our editor is Lucas Bollinger. Our engineer is Jeremy Schmidt. And the executive pro, no, what is this movie, is Brett Kushner. Our social media is managed by Blue Whale Media. Shout out to EJ and Kate. I love you. Don't tell my girlfriend. Oh, follow us on Instagram at BadSciencePod. If there's a movie you'd like us to discuss on the podcast, feel free to email at BadSciencePodCast.com. That's BadSciencePodCast.com. And please leave us an iTunes review. Give us five stars. I sound like an Uber driver, but we really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>